God's a bitch. buddy Matt, my, uh, my Republican friend from Boulder. Um, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself, your background, where you come from. So my name is Matt Sullivan. Uh, thanks for having me on, Mark. Uh, I, was, uh, I moved to Memphis when I was five, and I grew up there for 25 years. That's how I know Mark. Mark was uh, in Memphis and moved out to Colorado. And years later, later, I followed after what, close to a decade of not having spoken to each other, really. And uh, we, we started hanging out again. It was, it was pretty awesome, you know, to, to meet an old friend. And then to make the reconnection, because I know, uh, uh, you know, we didn't really talk there, like I said. So, yeah, I um, uh, went to school, started working, and that's what I've been doing most of my life these days, just working. So, um, just to fill in a little bit about, about why I wanted to have you on, um, wh why don't you tell us a little bit about your political background? Where, where you, you, do you align yourself left, right? Where, where do you see yourself? So, I've, al I've always considered myself a very conservative and uh, I don't even truly consider myself a strict Republican anymore. And, and in fact, uh, that's just the closest party I find that has an opportunity to, to you know, attain some level of power while more adequately representing my views than, say, the Democrats. But, um, but I grew up in a, in, a, in a fairly strict Catholic family. I mean, we, they weren't like bad parents. They were great parents. And, and you know, my mom's English. My dad's American. And uh, in some ways they were liberal. In some ways they were conservative. But grew up in a religious family with conservative parents. And that really formed my my ideas from a base level. Um, not to say that later years I didn't have my own opinions, but uh, but I've always had le leftist friends. I mean, just period. And I've always really gained from having opposing op opinions to mine. Uh, we could talk about it. We can find solutions. We can find common ground. We can discuss why we disagree. We can find out that we don't actually disagree. Um, I, every time I have a group of friends who tends to be more like-minded to me. It's enjoyable, but it doesn't last a long time because I, I really enjoy the challenge of, of growing, and you don't grow without some level of, uh, of opposition. So um, my background comes from really just my, my family life, and uh, it, a lot of my views have yet to be uh, challenged in a way to me that you know, disputes them and you know, makes them invalid. Uh, but, but I'm always open to that possibility. It, it, when that happens, and it's happened once or twice, it's actually a big, it's a big break of your ego. You know, when mm -hmm. something you believed in for so long, regardless of what it is, even if it's small, it, you realize it's not true, and then you have to reconcile that. You got to pick up the pieces and figure out what is true. Um, but I'm open to that, and and that's one of the things I think that is a misconception about a lot of a lot of people on the right. So. That they are are not open to, to new ideas. That they. Right. It, it seems to be that, from from what I've seen, my limited perspective, um, just on the interactions that I've had with, uh, you know, people on social media and stuff, that it, it almost feels like your average Republican isn't as as concerned with societal needs as opposed to the individual. And it, it seems to be the exact inverse of, of liberalism. And, you know, one only has to turn on the news to really see how, how toxic liberalism has become. Do you think that there's a little bit that, uh, of that in, in the conservative side of things as well? I, I do. 
I think it comes a lot more from uh, a leadership perspective, and I think because it's it's interesting you bring up the point you're more more or less concerned about the individual. Uh, I think that's probably a cornerstone of the conservative uh, ideology, um, and I think that's part of uh, the opposition. Um, I think where it gets corrupted is um, is when people stop listening, and and I know that as a conservative I feel this, and a lot of people do, when they're painted you know as specific types of people, whether it be racist, dem demagogues, or or fascist, or, or you know, Islamophobic, or xenophobic, whatever the case may be. There's a, there's a plethora of, of different labels. After a while, you're kind of like, I'm sick of this. And if you, that's if, if if me just trying to live my life and and uh, and be a good person by the standards that I set out for my own individuality and my own self-sufficiency aren't good enough for the rest of society, I'm just going to own up to that to that stereotype. Uh, to whatever degree, maybe not to an extreme degree, but it's like fine. You want to call me racist? I'm okay with being racist if you know if, if it's, I'm living my life and I'm not really being racist by my standards. So I think that that's where, you know, at least on the right and maybe on the left too. I'm not. Uh, I'm on the on the left. On the right, that's where a lot of that toxicity comes from. Uh, it's it's feeling like regardless of what you try to do to accommodate any anyone else, you're still not good enough unless you totally and wholeheartedly take on the view of the other other uh, other people, the opposition. It, it's been my experience that that the left these days, and and you know, you've known me for going on two decades now, and you know I was I was pretty pretty staunch leftist yeah. back back in the day. Just as I was far more like uh, extreme conservative <laughs> back in the day too. Yeah, I remember some very interesting conversations over coffee, <laughs> but it seems to me that the the left now is it seems like it is compensating or overcompensating for perceived bigotry where where none exists i i've we live in a time where the word racist is meaningless we've we, the word nazi is meaningless we see people like ayan hershey ali you know a muslim activist being called a a, a nazi or or an alt writer which you know we all know it is code for nazi um, have you had experiences where people have hurled any of those pejoratives at you? Mostly online, and I just want to separate my experiences online versus offline. I think that online is a, is a completely different bag of worms. I, I behave differently, you behave differently, we all behave differently, and, you know, just even recently, I won't get into the details, but, you know, it's, it's, it, for me, the fun's more about trolling than it is about actually arguing. Um, and that's because I kind of got, a, got I realized that, you know, you don't make any headway on no one's going to listen to you because of your online opinion. And in reality, unless you actually sit down and talk to another person like we're doing, there's no way to really truly exchange ideas in an open forum. Uh, you know, we're, we're both actually listening to each other. So, but uh, but most of my experience of being called that has been online. Uh, though I've gotten really good at, at getting people to listen to my point of view, both online and offline, it's by simple virtue that, as we were talking a little beforehand, you just got to try to engage the people and, and make them realize that you're interested in what, what they have to say, even if you know you're going to disagree with it. It begins with the level of respect, and that's hokey, and that's, uh, you know, corny maybe. Uh, but if I'm not willing to listen to you, why would I Why would I assume that you should listen to me? My, I could never speak another day in my life, and I guarantee you the, re the rest of the world would not be any better or worse for it necessarily. So maybe I, maybe I should start listening to other people, and maybe everybody should look at that a little bit more. So. I feel like in my own journey over the last year year and a half of, of really kind of examining everything that I thought you know it you know mostly through there, there's a few youtubers a few podcasters that I've I've encountered that 
um, have really kind of challenged my preconceptions. Um, you know, I, I've, I've flipped on a few issues. Um, I've, I've had to adjust my, my thinking. And to me, that's, you know, that's the definition of being rational, changing your opinion when you're presented with new evidence or a new be perspective. Right, yeah. exactly. Um, have, you, have you had any of that? Like, have you found yourself kind of becoming a little bit more moderate, a little bit more centrist as you get older? Or, or and, and if so, how, how so? Most of it, uh, the answer is yes, but most of it has been not even changing my stances, it's understanding my stances better. Um, in that uh, a lot of people don't understand why they feel the way they do or why they believe what they do. And that's probably the biggest thing, the biggest no-no for me if you're going to speak to me. If you can explain to me why you believe you do and it makes sense, whether I agree with it is irrelevant. Um, I will all respect you for knowing what that is, rather than just saying, as a, as a simple example, uh, Trump's a racist. Well, why? Well, he's just a racist. It's like, well, that's not an okay answer. I want to know why you believe that because I'm not going to be able to see your point of view unless you explain it to me. Now, in, on the views that change, let's just take, for example, gay marriage. Um, as a Catholic, you know, I didn't understand the reasons why the Catholic Church doesn't support gay marriage, and at least initially when it started becoming more and more of a subject. And as I grew and I developed in my own religious beliefs and faith and started understanding and questioning more, uh, I, I, I came to realize that it wasn't even about being anti-gay marriage, that my beliefs were, were flawed based upon my understanding. Now, I know you're not religious, but this is my background. And so I realized it had to do with just the nature of marriage with regards to uh, the church's teachings. And it, so it wasn't even, it wasn't them saying we're against people being gay or being gay married. It's, like, it's just not a thing by our, by our religious beliefs. It has to be between a man and a woman because there has to be procreation, you know, possibility, and it has to, it can't be a carnal act and whatnot. And and, and I won't go into the, all the nuances of it, but it made sense why it couldn't be. It's like saying I wish there was a unicorn, but there's just no unicorn. This just doesn't exist from a Catholic perspective. And once I realized that, and, and, and along with other things like my my development in political ideologies and becoming less of a fervent Republican and and more of an independent thinker, uh, I realized that regardless of my religious beliefs and the things backing that. Why is the government involved with marriage at all? So, so, so that that perspective on gay marriage, whereas when I was much younger in my teens, I was anti-gay marriage. Uh, in my twenties, uh, I developed differently, and, and I don't really care if, if I think the government should get out of it altogether. And then, mm -hmm. if, if you're a part of a religion or a belief system that lets you do it, by all rights, do it because it it isn't hurting anybody. I, I never could argue with that point for a long time. If it makes you happy, it makes you happy. Um, but I, I don't get it. But that's not my place to get. I'm not trying to um, to marry a man. But just like some of our discussions earlier when we were, we were driving around, um, you had made the point: what what rights do men have that women don't on the subject of, of, of equality or differential in rights between men and women? Well, that was always the argument on the left that I, or on the right that I always like. Well, everybody has the same rights. Everybody can marry a, a man can marry a woman, a woman can marry a man. But arguments like that don't hold water by themselves. And it, right. it, it's a point that no one's ever answered to me. Because it wasn't that there was an inequality of rights. It was that they wanted the rights to be different for everybody. And, and see, I've always thought that, that the, the more libertarian stance would be to actually support gay marriage. For the simple fact that I think a lot of people conflate marriage with matrimony. Matrimony in and of itself, that is the religious concept. And that's not, not something I think that the government should have any involvement in. And it, it doesn't. Marriage itself is simply a legal contract between two parties. And what you're doing when you say that, that 
you can't marry somebody of your your same gender, you're basically saying you can't enter into a contract with somebody of the same gender. Because it's not about religion, it's not about God, it's not about love. Marriage itself, the actual contract itself is about legal rights, you know, in certain specific situations, you know, while alive, even after death. That's it. Which is why I've never understood any of the arguments that came from the right on that that particular topic, especially, you know, when they say it's a threat to my marriage. Well, how? You know, how? Well, and and to answer that specific question, and this goes back to, I think, people not spending enough time on both sides, but in this case on the right, um, not spending enough time really reflecting upon the meaning of a lot of things. And I'm not going to say I'm the deepest thinker in the world, but I do spend a great deal of time thinking about these things. Um, But but I think what people mean specific to that when it threatens a marriage I don't think it really does threaten their marriage individually. I think the idea of matrimony, for example, and marriage are the same for some people, and it's not the same for others. I would agree with you, marriage from a government standpoint is simply a contract, uh, which is why, for example, I would argue that you couldn't enter a, ma- a marriage, legal marriage, with a dog because you have to be too conscious and, and fully capable of understanding what your contract you're understanding. A, a dog can't consent. Yeah, yeah, and you, right. can't, you can't marry a, uh, a chair over there because right. a chair isn't conscious of conscious being. So, um, but... Uh, but I think people people love the idea of of the cellular family or whatever it's called, the nuclear family, uh, where you have two, a mom and a dad and kids, and you go to church on Sundays and you go to work, and you know, and that's, that's not a bad thing to strive for. It's not everybody's cup of tea, and there are plenty of flaws with it. But it's a traditional thing, and I think to some degree or another, the traditional idea of marriage is being threatened by things like that. Um, but not because of the reasons people might think. I think that there are the improvement in internet communication, telephone communication, and travel makes us realize just how diverse a world we are in views, and and it's not even that things have changed that much. But everybody's understanding of what is actually what actually is has changed. We we know about the things like if I'm in Memphis, right, which not the most backwards place, but it's kind of backwards. <laughs> um, uh, but but the people before we did we we know that there's tons of stuff going on in San Francisco the moment it happens. Right. But back in the day, it would take weeks for that to happen. Even with, like, you know, telegrams, for example, that would be instantaneous. And you got to take it to the printer. you got to put it in right. the newspaper. you got to buy the newspaper. you got to actually read it. You know, and it, it takes a long time to filter through. But by the time it gets through, I mean, it's you're not, like, getting on Facebook and, and hollering about how horrible this is. You're talking to, like, three other people in that hour. <laughs> yeah, I've always found it kind of funny that we live in an age where it is so easy to communicate with anybody around the globe and we're not communicating we're not we're talking at each other that's 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 kind of what social media has become um and honestly it, it kind of scares me you know i feel like we are kind of heading towards a culture war oh we're there oh, i i we're, we're in the beginnings yeah. i i think it's going to get a whole lot worse um you know i, I think that people are abandoning logic and reason for feeling mm-hmm. You know, and I think, especially in, in the, the what, what I like to call the regressive <coughs> left or the, you know, the, the alt left, as, as a friend of mine calls them, um, we seem to be wanting to categorize everybody and pigeonhole them. Oh, your skin is this color and you're from this country, so you belong in this group, so you must feel this way. You know, you're, you know, you're white, you must feel this way. You, you must, you have a position of privilege, privilege. shut up. You know, that's that's where we are. Um, do you think, or do, do you, I know you live in Boulder, which for people who aren't familiar with Colorado is a very uh, 
<laughs> ultra liberal town. Um, have you run into that at all there? Have you run had encounters with people that kind of have that 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 regressive mentality, that ideology? I mean, with regards to listening to other people and not actually communicating, or wanting to be so quick to pigeonhole. You know, if you're this, you must think this. Yeah, I, I, I have. I will give credit to the people of Boulder that I've interacted with. It's largely been an overall positive experience. I don't go out like in the streets spouting my worldviews, but if I'm hanging out with new people, I'm not going to be shy about expressing the fact that I'm conservative. So you're not going to be walking around in a MAGA hat? Well, I actually have a MAGA hat. <laughs> my brother bought me it. I don't wear it out. Um, <laughs> but but you know that, that that's that's about prudence. That's not about being uh, being afraid of my views. I don't see a reason to instigate anything when I'm out doing my day to day stuff and going to work. Right. Um, but what does that say to you that, that that hat is an an instigator? You know, I mean, we've all seen, I don't know if you have, but there are, um, there have been clips that have been released on the news and on YouTube about teachers flat out comparing the MAGA hat to a swastika. Or, you know, kids getting expelled or, or suspended for wearing a MAGA hat. Why do you think that is? Why Why do people react so violently against that. I think there's, I don't probably teach a whole course, write a whole book on that subject, um, and, and a lot of things I've derived from my interactions with people. People like to be right, on the left and the right. I mean, they like to be correct in their views. People need that, because if they're not right, then they're lost. And one of the things today that people don't have is purpose. I mean, take a look at, I mean, even our wars are like the wars of the past. I mean, World War II, the country had a purpose. Yet today, we don't even come together as a country to, to support our troops. Now, that's a different subject, but the point is, is we all have different views on that. We all have different views on the wars. I'm not saying they're good or bad. There's probably good and bad in both of that. Um, there's certainly corruption there. But but we can't come we can't come together and, and agree on anything. It's like somebody has to be a dissenter. Um, just as an example, uh, Columbus Day. Whether you agree with Columbus Day or not, or think he's a good guy or a bad guy, I don't really see any benefit to the opposition. But, but I've actually had an idea, not to sidetrack too much. I was, um, I think I'm going to start a cartoon. I'm not a cartoonist, so I'm not expecting to be very good. Uh, where every day I find out what day it is, and find the opposite, and and make it sound bad. Like for example, National Donut Day. We have a cartoon that says, "Oh well, donuts are horrible. This is going to be like." Fat people's day because they have been oppressed by the sugar industry or something like that. So I mean, because this to show the asininity or asinineness or whatever I don't know what the word <laughs> of that one is, but uh, just to show how asinine a lot of these things are, because you don't need to have uh, um, something to give you outside purpose. Purpose comes from inside, and people aren't happy. I think that's really what it comes down to. People aren't happy, and they don't spend the time to think about who they are, to be truthful with themselves, to understand the world around them. They just go out and start shooting. I mean, I mean that you know metaphorically, mm -hmm. but you know they, they, they throw their ideas out there and expect people to agree with them. When they don't, they get upset. And of all ages, not just you know younger people, but all ages. Um, but specifically to MAGA, uh, I think the left was highly, uh, highly motivated to believe that Obama was their messiah. And I'm saying that almost literally, because. Obama could do no wrong. Um, I, I would I would disagree with that statement quite strongly, but well, you you might. Yeah. But a lot of the people in Boulder, Obama could do no wrong. People think that he should have had a third term. People think that everything was honky dory energy. When obviously, regardless of whether you like Trump or not, half the, over half the country 
or half the country voted for Trump. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't have gotten elected otherwise, right? Right. So there's a worldview that's not being represented adequately, uh, or even go as far as being oppressed because they're not willing to take these further progressive ideas into their lifestyle. Um, people feel threatened by it, and people just don't want it. So in order to not have it, there's no downside to demonizing it. I mean, if, if, you're, not, if you're not with us, you're against us, right? And uh, that's a pretty dangerous mentality, and it exists on both sides. But I think that there's much more of a, uh, since the election, much more of a movement on the left to be that way. I mean, you would never see, you, or you have never seen in recent years, in the last two decades, um, uh, a Democrat president get elected and then have something like Antifa come out before he's even inaugurated and start causing, causing trouble. Now, I'm using that as a very easy example. I know there's flaws in there, but I'm just saying you don't see that type of behavior on, on, on mass. Well, in fairness, eight years ago we did, though. You know, there there was a lot of outcry from the right when Obama won. There yes. there were people burning effigies. You know, there there were there was the Tea Party that came out of all of that. So there there was there was a backlash, and and it, it seems to me that at least in my own personal experience, mm -hmm. that the sides have flipped. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. it, it I I honestly think that we have become a country that the the losing side becomes crybabies for four years. Sure, and, 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 I, and I, I, I agree with your, your point at, at a high enough level, but specific to the Tea Party, uh, yeah, there was gatherings, there was a movement. You didn't see them, you know, in, in all in masks, you know, riding the streets without permits, keeping other people from speaking. They always had their shit together. They, 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 they met, they had speakers, they, they had their permits, they cleaned up after, after themselves. There wasn't beatings, there wasn't killings, not that there have been any killings, but I mean, people have gotten seriously injured. Uh, there wasn't. We weren't knocking, you know, knocking down windows of different stores along the storefronts. I mean, not that these are the worst things in the world. This is quite literally civil disobedience in a way that is not been seen ever. I mean, yeah. left or right, really, yeah. before today. Now, eight years from now, four years from now, whatever, we might see that turn the tables, and you might see the right do something like that. But the simple fact of the matter is, these people in Antifa specifically think they're starting a revolution. We're not starting a revolution because that's not how they start. No, they're cultural Marxists. Yeah. And I'm using it as an easy example. Mm -hmm. um, I think right now the left is beside themselves and doesn't know what to do because they don't have the right leadership to get something done. And half the country doesn't support the, their views that are going even further and further left. To people on the right, even moderates, the views of the left are, are going so far away they can't even begin to grab onto them. Like, just like uh, all the different gender terms. I I'm sorry, until I die, I'm not going to accept any of the gender terms. And it's not a, it's not a hatred thing. It's... Mm -hmm. You're a man or a woman, and if if, if you're if you are a man, I'm going to call you he, and if you're a woman, I'm going to call you she. If you're a trans woman, I'll call you she, but I'm not going to yeah. call you Z or Z right. or whatever. Right. You know, I, I'm not going to go out of my way to disrespect you, but me not using the new pr pronouns is not disrespecting you. It's you having a, a different standard that is incorrect. Yeah, I, I kind of see that whole pronoun thing is it's kind of just as douchey as, as we all had that friend in high school. They said, I want this to be my nickname. Start calling me this from now on. It's that. You know, it, it, I'm like, you can't compel speech. You can't force me. And, and if telling me that if I don't use this made-up word that you've arbitrarily assigned yourself means that you and I can't interact, then you have made that decision and you have put that barrier in place. And it's very Orwellian because mm -hmm. just, you know, if you control the language, you control the thought. 
Mm -hmm. and, and that's where one of my oppositions to, for example, alt-right came out. I understand the meaning behind it, but it's meant there as a propaganda term than anything else. The right didn't come up with alt-right. The left came up with alt-right. Actually, no. Uh, alt-right as a term was, was first coined by Richard Spencer. Oh, was it? Okay. Uh, it, was, it was coined as a term to kind of encompass this new generation of people on the conservative side. And that's when it, when it first started. It did include people like Milo Yiannopoulos, mm -hmm. Ann Coulter, people like that were considered part of this alt-right. And then Richard Spencer and his his cohorts or whatever you want to call them just started joining in mass and and it did after the first year or so alt right did actually become synonymous with white nationalists right and right and, and that's where it's really become it's been propagandized mm -hmm. by the left now, right okay I, I didn't know it was started by the right I'm okay with it being started by you know somebody on the right but it, it's been turned into something that that is it doesn't truly represent the people that they're into this box. Well, I, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I mean, because the people who are legitimately alt-right do are are you know the white nationalists, the white supremacists, you know, the, uh, people of those mentality. What I think is that we've reached a point where if you don't agree with the 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 leftist ideology, if you don't believe in in this agenda that they have, then you must be all right. Well, and, that's, and that's the that's false really dichotomy right. that we're in. You know, and, and to me, that that terrifies me. I think the most telling sign of the era that we're in was, I think it was about six or eight months ago, one of the many events at Berkeley. I don't even remember which one. Somebody snapped a photo of uh, of somebody in, in Black Block. I don't know if they were Antifa or if they were with BAM or, or whatever group they were with, um, holding up a sign that said free speech and lighting it on fire. Mm -hmm. We have somehow the left has started to believe that it's okay to censor certain types of speech. It's okay to label someone a Nazi if they don't agree with you. Mm -hmm. And then once you've labeled them a Nazi, it's okay to punch them. Right. And that, to me, was the catalyst for me looking at everything, was the whole punch a Nazi thing. Because I thought, wait a minute, what you're doing is you're saying it's okay to inflict physical violence on somebody for, his, for what is in their head. They are not threatening you. I mean, yes, they, what's in their head is repugnant, sure. you know, but that doesn't justify violence. And they try to use the, well, they're defending themselves argument. Really, where's the physical threat? What physical threat does that person, you know, yield against you in that moment? And, and that's probably the biggest, that's a great point, the biggest um, issue I have on both sides, but, you know, coming from the right, it's easier for me to see it on the left, is the rationalization of certain ideas as being okay. Like, to your point, oh, I consider that guy a Nazi because he disagrees with me. He must be a bad person. I can punch him in the face because he's a Nazi. You rationalize that that was okay. It is not okay. Rule of law says, no, you can't do that. He's allowed to be a Nazi, even if it's a repugnant thought, mm -hmm. and not be punched in the face. And well, there was even a, a Supreme Court decision this same year, this year, yes, that they kind of reaffirmed that. Yeah. They said that, that it has to be protected. Right. You know? And, and just as a sidebar of that, and, I'm, I'm, and I won't say yeah on this because I can see it from both sides, you know, when, when Trump initially spoke out against the North Carolina incident, um, he didn't fully condemn the, the, the protesters there. When you look at the footage and when you look and you read about it, you get like an unbiased perspective. That it, it was it was not one-sided, that's for sure. I'm not saying that the car into the crowd was mm -hmm. that's right, that right. aside. Um, it was not a one-sided incident. No, absolutely not. And it, the, the only reason that, that the people on, you know, on the alt-right showed up with shields and bats in the first place is because they'd been watching the news. Yep. You know, the moment that you 
the moment that you announced that you were going to have an event that it is focused on free speech, mm-hmm. that has become a right-wing issue. Right. And that terrifies me. You know, and then the week after the the Charlottesville incident, there was the 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 big the rally, the free speech rally in Boston, where you know it was like what, thirty people that were on a gazebo, and then forty thousand people that showed up to protest. You notice the news never never showed you footage from within the gazebo. That footage exists. There was there was somebody there holding up a sign against Monsanto. There there was an African American senator that was there. It was not a white nationalist or alt-right organization. But because it was about free speech and because it was one week after Charlottesville, everybody assumed it was. And that's how it was con- that's how it was covered. Every single news article or news story that I saw about it would have free speech in quotation marks. Yeah. Free. Right. <laughs> and I don't have you run, have you yourself run into anything like that where you you found yourself kind of censored a little bit? Um, to be honest, I feel a little censored, most just in general, uh, because, well, I wouldn't, I'm not afraid to speak my opinions. I know there's a process I have to go through in order to get them to be considered even a little at times. Uh, so, so I wouldn't call it a full censorship, but I just, the, the whole subject we're talking about, about this preconceived idea that conservatives are, are one way, or, or I'm alt-right and a Nazi or whatever, or MAGA means I'm racist. That type of thing, I have to take that into consideration in every conversation I have. Because I was hanging out with a friend, uh, watching some friends' uh, kickball games earlier this week, and there was a, a young lady sitting next to me. She was going to law school, and she was dating one of the players. We started talking, and uh, I, I always assume people in Boulder are leftist, um, because that's usually the case. And uh, so I got down the road. We started talking, a nice conversation. And I just made the comment, well, you know, like, I have to do it. like, I'm pretty conservative. Uh, but I believe this about that, whatever the subject was. But from the moment I said I was conservative, the, 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 her demeanor changed. Now, she wasn't mean to me, but it was like she, she went on lockdown. And we were even talking politics. It was just, you know, I made that one slight comment in reference to something she had said. Um, so I, I don't feel directly uh, silenced. But if I'm going to go for the best uh, output from other people, I have, to, I have to censor myself to some degree until I can gauge the type of person I'm dealing with, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I've run into a little bit of it on, online myself. Um, people are so quick, especially with, with the current administration, they're so quick to attribute everything to racism or, you know, a, almost a year into the presidency, I have yet to see Trump do anything that's legitimately racist. I agree. I think that we have a population that doesn't understand the difference between racism and nationalism. You know, even before the election, the comment he made about about Mexicans and, and rapists and all that. You know, I've had friends that staunchly say that that's racism. I'm like, well, Mexico's not a race. You know, it's it's another country. And yeah, what he said to me was vile. You know, even if it is from a from a nationalistic. Uh, place, but I think that if you misrepresent his intention, that kind of speaks more towards your own bias in the situation. And to me, it just tells me that you're not really paying attention to what's going on. Exactly. You know, I, there's been nothing that, that would make me think he was racist and and you as a conservative, I know you, I know that if he did Mm -hmm. say something that was legitimately racist, you would take issue with that Absolutely. because that's unacceptable. You know, 
we have differences of opinions. I personally don't think he's fit for office. I not because of policy. I happen to think he's just a buffoon. Yeah, you think he's an idiot? Yes, yeah. and that's and that's your prerogative. And it's it's mostly because of the way he speaks. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that his speech patterns that he uses when he's when he's giving his big press conferences is a little too similar to the speech patterns of people who do hypnosis. <laughs> Whether that's intentional or not, you know, that does concern me. But but that's the type of stuff that I pay attention to. I I, I really don't know where to go from there. <laughs> well, let, 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 let's rewind a bit to some kind of where we were looking at a bit earlier in the conversation because it's mm-hmm. all relevant. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I think... The understanding each other, you know, the communication and understanding each other is really important. We we lost that, but I think we're still young as a society when it comes to technology and having the power of this communication. Uh, and I think that's a huge disadvantage for us. Um, we're we're at a um, we're we're at a uh, uh, an adolescent point in our um, in our development. There, uh, you and I grew, you know, were young before computers were a thing in the home. We, them, them, they came into the home, and then people growing up today have always had computers in the home and always had internet and always had easy travel. And I don't think we have figured out the best way to, to, to process that. And I do think as a, as a global society, we're constantly changing. We're one big organism, and all our cultures is a reflection of the values we have. And that's really where the cultural we were talking about earlier is coming into play. I think it's already here. I think maybe right we're at the beginning of it, um, but but we were we could avoid that by having local government instead of federal government, which was the original design of the U.S. Right. We can go into that if you want, but right now we're trying to put everybody in this one bucket. You have to be my bucket or no one else's, and that's one of the big dangers of, of, a, of a federal system versus a state-driven system, is that you only have one set of laws, only one acceptable way of life. And that's not going to work. And that's going to be the one thing that brings us this cultural war to a head. It's going to fracture the country, whether there's a physical war or not. Yeah, I, I, I worry, especially having a teenager myself. And I, I do my part to really make sure that none of that is seeping into his head. I, I expose him to a lot of the, the YouTubers and stuff that I, I watch to try and make him question these these things that he might be exposed to. Um, but it, it's tough because I really do believe that a lot of what we hear from, you know, the regressive left, I think it comes from a good place. Mm-hmm. I think it is very well intentioned. I think it is misguided because mm-hmm. I definitely think that it is, it is the human thing to say, Hey, wait a minute. Don't treat that person differently because of their skin color. You know, don't discriminate or not hire that person because of the fact that they're gay. You know, I think that that those are very, very important values that every human being should hold, regardless of their personal opinion of certain lifestyles or whatever the case may be. But where where do the end where where, where do the rights from the other end come from? And I mean that in a general sense, but just as an example, and nothing has been a huge thing. Uh, I had read an article about four or five months ago um, about how the trans community uh, felt that straight men shouldn't have a right to. Uh, not be attracted to trans women. Now, I, and that's a simplification of, I think, the, the, the article. It wasn't a very long article, but that was the gist of it. Right. But at what point in that example 
does a straight man have, uh, have the right to say, I'm sorry, I'm just not attracted to you, and it's because you're, you were born a man, and by my standards, you are a man. And this is, I'm using this as an example of that entire overarching discussion. You say, mm -hmm. yeah, this other person may be gay, don't hire them, that's a bad thing. This other person may be black, treat them differently or whatever. That's fine, but there's got to be a point because there are differences. We do discriminate. We are allowed to discriminate. And we, we have freedom of choice. We have yeah. freedom of preference. Oh, yeah. What point, are the, are, uh, when you're protecting one group's rights, does it become an infringement on another's? It's kind of rhetorical, but you see where I'm coming from. Mm -hmm. And and it seems like it's it's never diverse enough. Like I, I remember um, there was an article about one I don't even know the name of the company, some some board group or the board of this company was half women. And people were saying, Hey, that's that's rare, you don't see that too much in business. And then one of the first comments under the article was like, Why are none of them black? You know real quick, I gotta I want you to continue down that way, but you did you see the movie Dunkirk? Uh, no. It was so, before the U.S. got involved with World War II, uh, there was an attack by the British and the French on mm -hmm. German forces. Well, they got big trouble, and they had to retreat. So, and they didn't have enough boats to bring them back home. So they had all the fleet of merchant ships come in and bring them back. So it's about that event. It was a huge, very courageous uh, effort by the British, and even the French, um, believe it or not. But uh, this, hap this is early World War II. You know what one of the one of the biggest criticisms of Dunkirk was? There are not enough black people, not enough people of color. In yeah, there, there was a similar criticism for one of the Call of Duty games that was set in World War II. You know that that there weren't women in the. And and, and I'm not saying that that black people or Mexicans or, or Hispanics or whatever didn't exist back in the day, even in those countries. But it wasn't the prevalent race. No, I'm sorry. I, I think one of the one of the <laughs> most. Just ridiculous examples in recent history was the whole um, the whole Ghost in the Shell thing. Yeah. You know, people were bitching about the fact that it was a white actress playing what is a robot, essentially a robot. Why does it matter? Every other robot in that movie looked white. You know, it, it's not something that necessarily matters. I can see being upset, you know, about things like movies where it's it's you know, somebody's playing the pharaoh and they cast him as a white person. I, I can definitely understand the anger behind that. But I think it's become a little bit excessive. You know, we have people freaking out that, uh, the what was it, was it Deadpool? One of the comic book movies that Fox is working on cast the guy, no, it was, it was one of the X-Men movies. They cast the guy from, no, it was Hellboy. They cast the guy that was the villain in, that played Francis in Deadpool. To play a character in the comics is half Asian, half white. He found out what the character's ethnicity was. He personally said, "I don't feel comfortable doing this role," and that's fine. You know, that is totally his right to do as an actor. But he's half white, so why would that matter? You know, I don't understand why it's okay for them to completely change the race of a bunch of characters, except for to make them white. Right, and by those same standards, and I know there are probably plenty of arguments against this. I don't love this argument, but you know, if I'm using a prop and it was, it was, it's, it's not completely accurate to the to the dynasty. Should I be mad that it's that it's you know five fifth century dynasty instead of seventh? I mean, if we're looking for accuracy, what is the point? I mean, well, I'm a nerd, so that would piss well, me off. But <laughs> I, I, it, would, it, might, it might, but is it wrong or is it artistic license of the people creating the movie? 
Yeah, absolutely. So, and that's really the question. I mean, we're, for 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 as as artsy as, as as the left tends to be, they're not trying to be very open with regards to artistic license. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're allowed that, especially when you're doing things like movies or books or or music. And there's a double standard, especially when it comes to music and books and movies, about what's okay and what isn't. I mean, you can do some pretty horrendous things, you know, with art. I mean, I say horrendous, but in disgusting things, like, you know, uh, putting. Uh, Statue of Mary in a bunch of piss. I mean, that's that's. I don't want to be a, around a bunch of piss to begin with. Never mind, you know, look at it in a gallery. Am I offended that the statues are there? No, I'm Catholic. I'm not really offended. I don't care. You know, right. It, 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 you're you're trying to you know uh, not yours, but ones trying to desecrate something that is important to me is your action, not mine. And I, I'm not going to go and steal it and break it, but it's your artistic license. I think you have the freedom to do that. Um, but so that's that goes back to freedom, like we've talked about this whole, whole time. What are what are what are the boundaries of freedom, and what are the boundaries of your rights with regards to your own personal freedom of belief? Well, I mean, I think that they would like to marginalize an entire race at this point. Okay. You know, I think that I honestly that was one of the hardest things that that I ran into as I went through this this personal journey of, of looking into all this stuff is the moment that I would tweet about it, or the moment that I would share an opinion on Facebook, I would get attacked by people that agree with me on 99% of the other things that we talk about. But on this one issue, that is enough for them to remove me from their life. I've been blocked, I've been unfriended, I've, you know, I've been muted on Twitter. It's, it makes no sense to me. It, it's very Orwellian, as you said earlier, and it's if you don't think the way the group thinks, then you deserve to be ostracized. You deserve to have thousands of people on Twitter call your job and get you fired. You know, you 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 basically that's all they that they do that because they want you to die, and that's the only way they can think of to facilitate that process. If you can't be employed, you can't feed yourself. And and one of the, specifically that's that's a, that's a that's pretty deep hate there. I mean, an unfounded hate. I mean, that's just hate coming out of the individual person who's doing that or people who are doing that. I mean, you you don't know someone else on the other side of the computer screen a lot of the time. I don't either. And I don't really wish them ill will. I mean, we may disagree and have a battle online, but that's completely out of line. What it comes down to in the end is, um, is again, like, hate people aren't happy. Like I said earlier, I think that that's one of the biggest issues is that people lack purpose and then look at it to tear other people down to make themselves feel better. Oh, absolutely. Well, I think that might be a good place to cut off. It's been about 42 minutes. Well, well, well by course, so. you know, I can talk on forever. Yeah, I definitely, it. definitely would like to have you back on. It'd be great to come back on, yeah. Uh, I'll talk about anything from politics to uh, general theology and uh, spirituality and philosophy. You know me, I'll talk about anything, even if I'm wrong. So. Yeah, and if any of our <laughs> listeners have anything they want Matt to answer, definitely leave them in the comments, and, and we'll get them next time I have them over. Yeah, I'm an Aries, uh, and I don't like long walks on the beach. So. And he is single, by the way. And I am single. So, thanks.